and welcome to Como Explained. It's a podcast from the KBIA Newsroom. We take the thorny issues and politics that affect our community and we break them down. I'm Scott Pham, the Digital Content Director here at KBIA. Hosting with me, as always, is Ryan Famuliner, Assistant News Director at KBIA. Hi, Scott. Hi, Ryan. How are you doing? I'm pretty good. I'm pretty good. How about you? I'm doing okay. Uh, this is our first episode in a little while without Laura. Yeah, it's it's going to be a little different. The chemistry it's be already. Different. It feels like an empty studio all of a sudden now. You're sitting in Laura's seat. I know I am. Well, she was sitting in my seat. <laughs> I was polite and took the crummy seat on the side. Yeah. Well, we uh, wish good luck to Laura. Hope to keep in touch for sure. So yeah. So this week we're doing a show that I've wanted to do for a while, and I've never quite found a way to, to fit this into. The coverage a that little, we do. A little indulgent. I'll, I'll go throw that out there right now. It's but a at the same indulgent. time, it's cool. Yeah. And this time, finally, it works because I have a podcast. I can put whatever <laughs> I want in here. You can't, you can't make me change it, Ryan. <laughs> right. So this weekend, I went to Startup Weekend, uh, which is an event that I've been to before. And uh, here's why I like it. First of all, it's kind of like Christmas for all the other startups that are in Colombia. Right. These guys, all these startups and new companies are normally not very visible. It's really hard to get a sense of just how big the startup activity is in Colombia and how tight they all are as a community. But once a year, there's a ton of them getting together in one building, hanging out, drinking beer, like all weekend. (laughs) Uh, The second reason why I like it is for all the people who are decidedly not in this entrepreneurial community, people from the outside. You see all these people that are starting their own businesses, usually for the first time, and it's really cool to watch, actually, because, you know, you imagine, like, what if I'm watching the next Google happen? What if this is the garage everybody talks about where a future empire company gets started? It's totally possible. Right. You mentioned that it's got a lot of, like, you know, sitting around drinking beer. It sounds like it's a lot of fun, but this is kind of like... There's work here too, right? And it's it's a competition, right? Yeah, it's kind of weird to hear the words that people use to describe it because you really are doing a lot of work all weekend and and it's very exciting for people, but it's not what most people would think of as a fun weekend activity. Right. Yeah, you're not just like hanging out chilling with with your friends. You're actually you're you're up all night working, really. I mean, it's like a cram session for what? 48 hours. (laughs) Yeah, just a little bit more, 54, including the Friday night before. So it starts like Friday after people get off of work around like 5 o'clock. And then it goes on until Sunday night. The goal is to basically start a company from scratch in three days and have it finished. People come with pitches. Not everybody has to pitch. So some people come just to work on an existing company. Some people come to start a whole new one that they just thought up. People come for a lot of different reasons. So you got like idea people and just like the workhorses, right? Yeah. 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 You got people that are just like, you know, I'm a graphic designer. I want to design graphics for a company, maybe a company that doesn't exist yet. You got people that are just kind of thinkers, actually. And you'd think that this isn't the place for them, but it it really is. It's probably more than half of the people. They don't have technical skills. They aren't programmers, but they're still kind of welcomed in, and and they're a really big part of what makes this work. Right. And I've never actually been to this, but this thing takes place at Museo, right? Yeah. Yeah, that's the uh, big co-working place that's south of town on Buttonwood Drive, kind of by the Hy-Vee that's down there. Okay. Um, it's an event space, so people might have been there before for events. There was a, one of our coworkers at a wedding there a little while ago. But during the day, it's a co-working space, meaning it's basically an office. You know, they you can rent space in there. You get your Wi-Fi, your heat, lights, and bathrooms. But you can also just get a membership and just hang out and have a not permanent space. There's a lot right. of common areas. There's couches, tables. People have their laptops. 
Right, which this sounds kind of like a weir- weird, like abstract idea, but like these places exist around the country. Like I, I actually did a lot of reporting on one of these when I lived in South Bend, Indiana. They had started one a few years before the one started here in Columbia. They called Innovation Park. It was right there near the Notre Dame campus. Uh, a lot of people from the, from the university starting ideas there. Or, or, like I said, renting this workspace, it seems kind of abstract, and you wouldn't think that it actually is something people would use that often. But for these entrepreneurs, it kind of gives you a little bit of credibility, but also a nice, quiet place to work, right? Yeah. The way web businesses work today, you don't need a lot, right? You don't even need a desktop computer. You can work wirelessly. You can work in your bathroom on your lap. You know, you don't even <laughs> need to be anywhere. But it's a good idea to be somewhere. Yeah. So. These kind of co-working spaces are providing that that kind of in-between space for people that are in between, you know, big, busy businesses and um, your mom's basement and your mom's basement. Right. So, yeah. What does this place look like? Again, I've never actually been to the Musea building. Yeah, it's really weird. And I always have a hard time describing it. And when I do pieces for it on the air, because you only have a little bit of time, usually I just give up. I don't <laughs> describe it. <laughs> I just say it's a co-working space. Because it, it used to be a furniture warehouse, I, I believe. But that what does that mean, right? What are right. furniture places? I, yeah, I don't, I don't know. Just they're, a big, they're empty big. room. That's all know. you know. But yeah. I mean – but really, the the best way to think about it is it looks like a little Google, right? They, not that I've been to Google. <laughs> I was going to say, yeah, or, I'm sure everyone in our audience knows what Google looks like. <laughs> but, you know, it's like it's like weird in there, you know? Like, there's a lot of common area. People are just, like, hanging out. Everybody's got little MacBook Airs. There's, like, a hammock. There's a little indoor putting area. Uh-huh. There's uh, definitely a ping pong table or two. They have these weird little garden shed type things that are these weird little sleeping pods. So that if you want to take a nap in the middle of the day or if you're staying up all night, you can do that there. Right. Okay. So meant to be a somewhat stimulating environment is what I'm hearing too, right? Yeah. It's kind of designed to make it very easy and pleasurable to spend a lot of time at once there. Unlike your regular office building where you just want to get the hell out as quickly as you can (laughs) as soon as you walk in the door, right? Yeah, and so the guy behind all this is uh, Bishore, right? I know him. I, I, even though I've never been to a museum, I've talked to him a few times. He was, he's been a guest on Intersection before, kind of this like serial entrepreneur kind of guy, right? Yeah, he's a serial entrepreneur. He owns this company called Adventures, which is one reason why the community is so strong here because this is a company that funds and owns lots of other little companies. So in his portfolio, he's got a bunch of other companies, most of which are housed there in Museo as well. Okay. So there's this whole startup network. They all do pretty different things. And they all work pretty autonomously, but they share resources and, and they grow together. Right. And so, yeah, to get a grasp of what our like entrepreneurship scene looks like, you really kind of have to know this guy. Yeah, he is. Uh, I don't know if it's right to say he's the center, but he's definitely a really important center of the startup community here. He's like the godfather, I think, of the startup <laughs> community, except he's really, he's like a really nice guy and he's like 30 years old. Right. So, <laughs> Which I guess if you're talking about entrepreneurs, that's pretty much, that's, that's maybe an old guy for entrepreneurs, right? <laughs> yeah, maybe, maybe. But yeah, so of course Beach War is going to be at this event and I had a chance to talk to him while I was there. Well, I mean, I think it's, it's it's a central point for sort of the startup community to coalesce around, right? So, I mean, I, I don't think you'll find another startup event. Um, I'm going to argue another startup event in Missouri, let alone in Columbia, that has the diversity, the energy, and just the execution that this has. 
So it really is kind of like this lightning rod to kind of give a lot of energy to this community, right? Once who's involved in this entrepreneurship activity and, and then some people that maybe aren't usually, right? Yeah, exactly. You know, I mean, there's a lot of really good exchanges that are happening with a lot of existing startups right now, people in the community. And this is a really good way to get them together and see what kind of comes out of that. But it's also a really good way to bring other people in from the outside of that community and see what happens. I caught up with Keith Polite while I was there. He's a guy that's been involved in startup activity in Columbia for a very long time, including Newsy.com. Oh, Startup Weekend is the spark. It's amazing because the innovations don't come from the top down. They come from the bottom up. And Columbia has a really unique mix, uh, a combustible mix of talent. And Startup Weekend and events like it provide kind of an opportunity for those different elements to meet each other, interact, and develop things they wouldn't have done if they had not met each other. You know, the logo for Startup Weekend, which is this kind of national brand, is this, um, this little beaker with people in it. You know, it's, <laughs> it's, like, it's like a science experiment with people. Okay, uh, okay. Everybody says it's great. I still don't know that I understand, though, exactly how this event happens. So, so what, what is the process, I guess? Right. So it's kind of like a tournament. It's got like a beginning and end of this competition throughout. There's two rounds of pitching. The very first round of pitching happens really early on, within the first hour or two of people getting there in the building. And people basically come with their ideas, and they pitch it. They have one minute to pitch it to the whole group, and that's how they decide what projects they're going to work on for the weekend. Okay. So who are these people that are pitching at this point? Like, do they have to get clearance to go up there? Who are the people going up there? They just sign up and buy their tickets, actually. So, <laughs> yeah, so this is one of the most open parts of the weekend. You know, people barely know who you are. You get to get up in front of them. Uh, basically, a big group of some of the most important entrepreneurial people in Colombia, and they have to listen to you for a full minute. That sounds a little dangerous if you get at I mean, like, if you're giving anyone an open mic, right? I mean, obviously, you're in front of important people, but, I mean, crazy things can happen, right? You were telling me the other day just about this really weird thing that happened at one of these in California, like this tech conference there. Right. You're talking about TechCrunch Disrupt, which earlier this month, they had this conference in the Bay Area. And it's it's a, it's similar to Startup Weekend in that it's kind of a, a focal point for the startup community in Silicon Valley. Yeah, yeah. And they have these pitch events, too, where people come and bring the projects they're working on. And for whatever reason, this group of Australian bros brought uh, a project called uh, Titstare. Thanks. I'm glad you said that, not me. Um, but yeah, it's, it's unfortunately kind of what it sounds like, right? Yeah, let's just go right into it. Titstare. Titstare. Titstare is an app where you take photos of yourself staring at tits. Okay, yeah, that yeah. was really offensive, I just realized. I'm really sorry. Yeah, <laughs> way to go. That, that sounds terrible. Why did you do that to me and everyone? <laughs> you um, know, it didn't sound so bad when I was listening to it at my computer, and no, then I just realized it's I It's pretty said, awful. <laughs> so, yeah, it's, a, it's about as bad as it sounds. I mean, so this was kind of, like, kind of a joke from what I understand, right? Yeah, it's totally a joke. This app doesn't exist, uh, but obviously it could make a lot of people uncomfortable, yeah. and it kind of points to the kind of... Uh, maleness of this environment. Right? Yeah. Do we have anything like that here at Startup Weekend or any, uh, maybe not to that magnitude, I would hope. I mean, I don't want to draw too strong of a comparison, but I think you can start to see a little bit of a uh, a bro strain <laughs> in the culture, I'm going to call it, yeah. of the Columbia startup culture. Here's a pitch I heard from a company that eventually got called Lift Logger. Uh, so me and my meathead friend were working out one day, right? <laughs> 
And uh, we were uh, talking about, you know, workout routines. He uh, was training for the Navy. I used to be in an intern at an athletic training facility. And so I was asking him, hey, dude, like, how do you track your workouts? <laughs> at least yeah. he didn't actually say bro. He said dude. And, of course, his friend was in the military. And, yeah. Yeah. And but it's an intern. Obviously not in any way offensive, right? No, but, not offensive. But still kind of uh, to that demographic you're talking about right Right. i mean right. It, it's i just wanted to play that because you know it's clear that it's not just the nerds anymore right, right. yeah it's like you said it's, it's something that everyone's interested in and, and to be honest it's not just about nerds in the end right um you know bros can buy things right yeah so. i'm actually gonna kind of chalk this up under diversity i think that you know the, <laughs> a good thing yeah a good thing bringing in people from outside of what you might think of as the kind of dominant computer nerd strain of tech companies could okay. actually uh, kind of bring a lot of vitality into the scene. Okay. So, yeah, I don't know if I still agree with another white male makes it more diverse, but, <laughs> but I'll go with that. Right. So I, I talked to uh, Heidi Furman about this. Heidi is the people and culture amplifier at Adventures. And she's kind of basically, if you want to get involved with Museo, if you want to get involved with startups in that area, you're going to meet Heidi at some point. So she's a very important part of the community. And she's kind of running the show here at Startup Weekend. I, I was wondering, you know, especially on the pitches, like on Friday night, when you don't, you don't know anybody, you know, like they just sign up on Eventbrite. They could be anybody coming in. And so, you know, we kind of talked about that beforehand. So if people are being like, you know, not easy to get along with, they don't have to be here. But it always does cross my mind of like, okay, so if that happens, like it's probably only a matter of time. Like, you know, what, how are we going to handle it as an event, but also as a community? Like she said, I think if anything really offensive did happen, she's kind of hoping that there would be kind of a way for the community itself to kind of react and shut it down. Uh, luckily, she's not had to deal with that so far. Everybody was was very, very nice and polite at the event. Okay, so we already had the tech people, and now we got some bros too, right? But what what else? Do we have other groups of people as well? Again, I'm looking for real diversity here, maybe. <laughs> yeah, actually, there was some real diversity. And, you know, this is the second year I went in a row. And when I compare to what I saw last year, especially in the kinds of people who pitched versus who kind of hung back and watched, I definitely saw a lot more women and a few people of color, which is pretty rare in the Columbia tech scene. So that okay. was kind of neat. Cool. I think part of the reason for that is that entrepreneurship has a different cultural cachet right now. You know, entrepreneurship in general is kind of cool. And I talked to Brent Bishwar about that. I mean, entrepreneurship, like anything else, it gets sort of things get hot and cold, right? But I think the entrepreneurship, I mean, every business started from an entrepreneur, period, right? Every business was a startup at some point. Um, and so, I mean, if you look at the future of people's lives, the future of the economy, I mean, it all converges upon entrepreneurship, right? Um, so so the, it doesn't go out of style. No, it definitely doesn't go out of style. I mean, it's, it's sort of those... I, I think I agree that there has been an uptick in recent years um, sort of around the cult of entrepreneurship, which gets people out of the woodwork, right? It makes it kind of startups being sexy. And for anybody who's been in startups, know that they're not sexy, right? <laughs> but it's at least good to get people out of the woodwork to, to try. So so this is something that Beach War likes, and I think it's something that the community wants and likes, because if you have just a community of tech nerds, they're going to you know, they're going to make things that solve tech nerd problems, which is great, but it's it's it has a limited reach, right? Right. Um, so I really liked all these kind of non-technical pitches, all these kind of uh, sometimes very normal-seeming pitches, <laughs> and I gravitated to those people because the problems they were trying to solve, I think it, they were really telling a story about themselves. Wait, wait, you just are you being a little bit of a creeper? You just kind of want to know? Tell me your life story. Before I'll, before <laughs> well, that's I'll what we do in radio. You. That's true, isn't yeah, it? That, that is what we go for, I guess. <laughs> 
Yeah. But um, but yeah, so that's that's what you got from some people there, I guess. Yeah, you know, like was when you're pitching an idea that's trying to solve a problem in your life, you can't help but really reveal a lot about yourself, and I think that's really interesting. You know, there was this one woman who pitched this idea for a intramural sports league, and it's because uh, she used to live in Los Angeles and it was a bigger city, and there were all these intramural sports she played, and that was really the way that she made friends. You know, and then she comes Aww. here. I know it's kind of sad. Is that she comes here and like she's trying to solve this problem, not just of there's no intramural sports here, but she's trying to solve this problem of meeting people and having right. friends of like society connections and community and that kind of thing. Yeah. Oh yeah, like you said, that, that you're putting on your psychologist hat here, right? I mean. <laughs> no, but they they make this part of their pitch too because you know that's very memorable. Telling a story is also part of a good pitch. Right? Sure, yeah, it's evidence for a problem, right? That needs to be solved. Yeah, exactly. There was this other pitch uh, from a woman named Jamie Crockett. Her problem was that she's from East St. Louis, and it's just kind of universally known to be an awful place. Yeah, yeah. Everybody knows that. Even people not from this area now, you say East St. Louis. Oh, yeah, yeah. I think for her and her pitch, it just kind of sucked that whenever she told people that she's from there, people get that reaction, right? So her pitch was basically a media company that would focus on the positive stories about her hometown. I'm from East St. Louis, which I think is one of the greatest cities in America. Okay, never mind. Well, I probably got that response because a lot of you may know about what East St. Louis is all about. For those of you who don't, it's a city right across the river from St. Louis, and it's honestly ridden with poverty, teenage pregnancies, homicide, and things of that nature. I know Jamie really well, actually, because uh, she's a student at the journalism school, which is it was funny to hear her name because, yeah, it, it's not the crowd I even thought would show up for this type of event. Um, and she's a very sweet girl, as you gathered from that uh, yeah. small clip of her. But, yeah, like I know her really well, so I know a lot about her story and where she's from. I've known her for over a year now. And it took me a while to find all that stuff about her. You find out about that in 20 seconds, and she was telling a bunch of other strangers about it. Yeah, so, exactly. Yeah. She just got up there. I saw her for the first time. She looked a little familiar, but I, <laughs> I don't interact with the students in the same way you do. Sure. And you really do learn a lot about people. Yeah, very cool. Okay, so – but regardless, even though you get to know about these people, as part of the competition, they start whittling people down, right? They start whittling it down because it is a competition, right? Not everybody can win. Yeah, exactly. Um, So they whittle down the first uh, set of pitches to about half. And then they form teams. The people that come just to hang out and be part of a team, then they go and look for the idea that they thought was coolest, right? And then the people whose pitches got shot down, they still got to do something. So they go and find a team, they, and they connect with those people. But, you know, forming a team is this really scary thing because you got to hit a few targets, right? You got to get yourself a designer if you want it to look good. You got to get yourself a developer if it has any kind of tech aspect, and most of them do. And you got to have a marketer because you need somebody who understands business markets and can show that this is something that will work. Yeah, it seems like it could be kind of awkward too, right? Because you're kind of going around and like picking who you think without having any knowledge of who's good at what, picking who they are, and they're kind of looking at you like, I don't know if I want to sign on with this person's project. They sound kind of weird. It sounds like a weird process. Yeah, it's it's a kind of a mutual judging thing. And so <laughs> I, to be honest, I just kind of walked around with my mic and kind of just kind of stuck it out there to see uh, if there's anything I could pick up. And here's um, here's some of what I heard. Nice to meet you. Developers, but we do. I, I would like to know what exactly you want. I mean, what exactly you're looking for to sure. still up? What? Sure. A, a website um, for. Well, let's see. I mean, I, I need a website that's user friendly, something okay. um, that's not just a WordPress site. I mean, that I could do on my own. 
Yeah, I knew that. <laughs> it's like, who's interviewing who? What are you trying to get out of it? <laughs> right, you're you know? both like, she, yeah, she's throwing things at him. He's throwing things at her. Yeah, very strange, right? I guess people move on and eventually everybody finds a partner. People do find a partner. If you don't have one, people will help you out. There's a lot of organizers, but they eventually will form teams. And then that night they'll sit down, start planning it out, and really start building a company. Okay. And so what are they trying to do when they're building that company, I guess? What are, what are like are their benchmarks they're trying to hit? Yeah, building a company kind of sounds abstract, right? right? And right. But really there's just two parts, two main goals you're trying to hit. And this is part of the education of the weekend too. The people that weren't familiar with these terms, by the end of it, they were very familiar. One of them is minimum viable product or MVP and validation. Those are the two business buzzwords that people got drilled into their heads. Okay, minimum viable product. What what does that mean? That basically means prototype. Why they don't say prototype, I don't know. But (laughs) minimum viable product is what they say. It basically means the... What's uh, your thing? What's your thing? What's the thing? The thing that you have, the thing that you are selling. So in the case of a tech company, it's usually going to be some kind of software and then you're just going to actually build that software. All right. It reminds me of like a middle school science fair. People come up with like these just terrible looking things if they're actual products. I mean, I'm guessing it's not always a beautiful product at the end. Yeah. Oftentimes they, they don't look right, but sometimes they really do work and it's amazing. Oh, wow. Cool. So once you get your MVP, once you get your minimum viable product, use that to get validation. And validation has a slightly happier sense in normal English than it does in business English. Yeah, so validation means that you've gone out in the marketplace and there's been a generation of legitimate demand, right? So it's not your mom isn't, isn't saying, oh, yeah, I, I want to buy your product, right? Because your mom will buy pretty much anything you sell. It's from people who don't know you, who you don't have a connection with, who are in your target segment, who say, yeah, this is something I'd like to do and something I'd like to buy. So, so all these people are like out soliciting, <laughs> more or less, this all, all weekend downtown pestering people. I don't know. How do they do that? You exactly. talked about some of the methods. but Yeah, no, they will often leave the building and go downtown and start talking to people, ask if they use the product. Um, if it's a product that's for a specific kind of business or something, they will go and call those businesses up, get some kind of information from them. And if it's the kind of company where you can get off the ground very quick and you can start getting clients or spending money, then they'll actually do that. And there's this one team that had a really nicely working MVP by Sunday around the time that I showed up that day, and they had just gotten done proving it uh, with Mike Knoop, who was hanging out there that weekend. He's from Zapier, that company that had won the very first year. They had uh, Charity Dares actually did a charity. Um, me and one other guy, I forget his name, we ate a habanero, and they raised $200 actually all going to Watsi, which is another YC company. Um, the trick was every dollar they raised was a second that we had to wait, wait and not drink anything after we ate the habanero pepper. So it ended up being like two and three and a half minutes. <laughs> how they turned eating habaneros into money. They went to charity. Uh, I'm not quite sure how they did that, <laughs> but that's the magic of the product that they built. That that actually worked, right? They started yeah. generating money. Well, yeah, it's funny because that's like what you do in elementary school when you like make the fat kid eat the things for a dollar, right? He'll drink the milk that you spilled in your tray or whatever. I don't know. Like, it's kind of like, like that. They basically yeah. do that, but they're making it into something that's functioning in society. It's and a it's a business. Basic idea. And it's a business and it's a charity. Okay, interesting. Uh, uh, so was that who won? I guess was that that surely that wasn't the winner. No offense, people with Charity Dare. No, Charity Dare didn't win. Uh, okay. The winning team was Nudge. Uh, it's a company that was run by Jamie Stevens, who's a developer who already knows a lot of people in the community, and he's worked on a lot of projects before, and his people have a lot of trust in him. Okay, what was his product? It's kind of a drag and drop interface for email marketing, like the kinds of people that send out those 
kind of marketing emails every day. Sometimes there's a lot of coding that's involved, a lot of HTML. His is all visual. And, and the, the thing is, he had a really nice minimum viable product. You know, he put it up on the screen. He showed you how you would make a email. Then he dragged and dropped the elements. And it actually worked. This was like a, a real product. It's very easy to imagine somebody spending money on it. So basically, he's making spam easier. People are going to spam me. Is that what I just heard? <laughs> yeah, I, like, but- I like the food idea, Mao, again. I, why didn't that win? No, but no, but this has a, this has a market, like you're saying, because there are plenty of people who send us emails to our news account every day who would, who would probably use this. And it makes generating those emails easier. So for the, the, the kind of people that send these out pretty often and don't have a big staff. Um, the other winner was a project called the Gauntlet Initiative. Uh, it's, it's a really nice, very sweet project by an MU student named Alex Madinger. Um, Alex is a mechanical engineer who is using 3D printing machines to build custom prosthetic limbs. Oh, cool. And he's actually already validated it with somebody who couldn't uh, use their limbs to pick objects up, and with this prosthetic, they could. Uh, so it's a pretty cool project, and uh, those two got the top prize. Okay, so... What is the top prize? What happens for these guys now? There's a little bit of a cash prize. There's about $2,000 that goes to the first place and 1250 to the second. The top two winners get to pitch their ideas to Centennial Investors, who are some of the main, some of the only angel investors in Colombia. Right. Real quickly, what is an angel investor for someone who doesn't know? An angel investor is somebody who is giving at a very, very early stage in a company. So this company might not even have revenue yet. They might not even have customers yet. They're the very first stage of funding. And while you get a little bit of cash at Startup Weekend, angel investing is real money. So we're talking somewhere between two hundred and fifty dollars to $500,000. Wow. But you know, it's still a long shot. These companies and most companies are not likely to get investment like this unless they have a really amazing idea. Yeah, something really marketable, right? That could, could grow for sure. Okay. So aside from these two teams that won, that obviously are going to keep working together because they get to pitch, are, do, do other people that met this weekend still work together and still work on these products? Yeah, so whether you win or not, a lot of teams continue to keep working afterwards. About 80% of the teams that go to Startup Weekend will continue working together afterwards to try to build something. Wow. Most of those will not last very long, just like most businesses don't last very long. But there are some success stories. Uh, there's the story of Zapier. It's a little software company that came out of Columbia's very first Startup Weekend, back when it was much smaller than it is now. And they won the top prize there at Startup Weekend. They got a little bit of cash. They used that to keep going for a little while, but their success really came when they applied to and got into this thing called Y Combinator, which is kind of this uh, it's like acceleration program for really promising startups. A lot of young businesses have gone through that program that we know now, uh, among them Reddit, Dropbox, Airbnb. Oh, wow. Lots of really um, valuable, profitable companies that are kind of household names. Oh, yeah. Worth millions of dollars for sure. Yeah. Yeah. So these guys... Uh, you know, they got hooked up with Y Combinator. They met a lot of people there, grew their company. They started hiring. They got over a million dollars in seed funding. Wow. And I asked Bishwar about Zapier and, and what that means for the scene. I mean, these guys, you know, it's, it's, it's sort of the dream come true. I mean, they when they won, they said, look, we love mid-Missouri, but all of our customers and all of our partners are going to be, for the most part, out in Silicon Valley. So, And they're all Y Combinator companies. So what's the best thing for them to do is go to Y Combinator. And I mean, the fact that they got in uh, is amazing to start. The fact that they were one of the stars of that class is amazing. And the stuff they've done afterwards is incredible. And having, you know, obviously all three of them back, three of the founders back here, it's just awesome. I mean, it just shows their dedication to giving back to the community. They have two full-time employees still in Columbia. Okay, well, that's cool. So they actually have 
employees in Columbia? Because that was one thing I was going to ask about, because I talked about that innovation park I covered when I was in South Bend, Indiana. One of the big points of that was that Notre Dame had all this great research going on, like we, like we probably do, like we do here at the University of Missouri, and that uh, Notre Dame is much different than Missouri, where people that come to that university aren't usually from the region, right? They're from all over the country, all over the world. And so people came with these great ideas, did great research there, and then they just left the community, right? They went other places. They went to Silicon Valley, but they also just went back to where they were from. And so part of this Innovation Park idea was that they also had a sister facility in the city of South Bend called Ignition Park which was meant to be like a place companies could move after they kind of grew out of those first stages and actually stay in the community. Um, Because that was a big problem. And South Bend's a lot different than Columbia. It was definitely like historically an industrial town. Studebaker was was the car company that was there for years. So it's it's a dying industrial town in my estimation. Hopefully nobody from South Bend that uh, hears me say that, but it's got a lot of issues. So what about Columbia? Is that a goal of Museo and, and what Brent Vishore is working on too? You know, I think there's this delicate balance that communities have with entrepreneurship, right? Like we want to have jobs in the area and we want the the environment to be built out in a permanent way. And a lot of the jobs that we need to grow are going to come from entrepreneurs, right? But entrepreneurs, they just want to grow their company. And sometimes that means moving somewhere else, right? Like Bishwar said, Zapier needed to be there in California. They needed to be there with the partners that they had already made to grow uh, to continue growing. So I asked Bishwar about job creation and if there was anything like the state could do to keep these companies in in the area. Oh, okay. I don't know if it's a state thing. Like, I don't know if it's a government thing. I mean, I, I tend to believe that we shouldn't have too much external involvement, right? I mean, there's a joke in the startup world that's the only thing government can do is screw it up. So it's like, just allow startups to be successful. I mean, I think, I think is what the theme is. And, and I mean, I think Mid-Missouri in particular with Ready, I mean, Mike Brooks with Ready and what they're doing in the city, they're creating an environment where they're kind of stepping out of the way and saying, hey, anything you guys need, like, we want to help you. We're here for you. We want to support you. And that's all you can do. And then let the blossoms bloom. I mean, it's funny because think about all the conversations that politicians have. And even Mike Reddy, who we mentioned there, they're always talking about creating jobs, right? Yeah, we tend to think of it as part of politics. If you are somebody that's going to be a city leader, a community leader, job creation is going to be some part of your equation. Right. And he's kind of saying like government ideally has nothing to do with it. You know, and it's not just about office space and incubators and places to kind of physically be those resources. What companies really need to grow is funding. And Columbia has a little bit of that in terms of Centennial Investors and some other angel funding. But obviously, all the real money in that world is going to be on the West Coast, which is where a lot of these guys go. You can grow innovation. You can grow a culture of entrepreneurship. But it takes a lot longer to grow that real base. And over time, that might come. People might begin to realize, oh, this is where a lot of great stuff is coming out. Maybe I should start thinking about putting my money there. But that's going to be a long, slow climb. And it's not clear that government can do much to make that happen. Right, right. Did you indulge all you wanted to there, Scott? I I think I've said literally everything I have about the startup community. (laughs) Which is a lot. No, it's pretty cool. It really is an interesting scene for a community our size. You know, it really is thinking about the future, thinking about how to harness good ideas. And so it's a pretty cool thing that happens here in town. 
Yeah, something that I really like to follow. I think that, you know, in a few years, some of these small players that are just trying to figure out how they fit into the world right now, they're going to be much bigger. They're going to be big forces in our community. And people are going to wonder, where did they come from? How did they, like, like they came out of nowhere and they didn't. They should listen <laughs> to this to, podcast. They'll have to dig into the Como Explained archive <laughs> to figure out what happened. Yeah, exactly. Okay, so that's going to do it for Como Explained. I am Scott Pham. My co-host is Ryan Famuliner. Give us a listen each and every week. Find us on KBIA.org or even better, the iTunes Store. Just search for Como Explained, then hit the subscribe button. Get a shiny new podcast automatically each week. If you've got a comment or a show idea, we love both. Email us at news at KBIA.org or tweet us at KBIA. Thanks for listening. See you next time. Bye.